Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Troll Talks podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Klein, Director of Alumni and Family Engagement. And I'm excited today to be joined with one of our younger alums, uh, class of 2017, uh, Zach Jones. Zach, good to see you, man. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, really looking forward to just dialoguing a little bit more about the work that you've been doing, uh, specifically in the line of uh, professional baseball. You're a former uh, student and student athlete and uh, get to do uh, some things and see some things not a lot of us get to always experience. And so uh, anxious to kind of hear more about uh, your journey to Trinity and, and what you've been doing since leaving this place. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an adventure so far to say the least. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah. It, uh, Trinity was home and heading into professional baseball was a dream. So it was just great to be able to uh, represent the trolls. Yeah. Well, let's rewind a little bit and think about um, you kind of finding this place. So, um, you know, you uh, came to Trinity uh, out of high school, correct? And um, or did you actually, did you transfer in? I can't remember. Yeah, I actually transferred in from Harper Community College. That's um, right. Yeah. So I, out of high school, actually went to TIU for a semester. Um transferred to Harper. Um, and then my season at Harper, uh, Coach Heisman called me and he said, you know, I, I like you, I'd like to come, uh, like for you to come, come on a visit. And uh, came on a visit, worked out for Coach Heisman and um, just fell in love with the campus. You know, there's a brand new baseball field. Coach Heisman, Coach Enright were amazing and just thought it was, it was gonna be home for, you know, the next three and a half years. Yeah. And it was. So as, as a student athlete, I've always wanted this too, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's a college decision. The education is definitely, uh, you know, important. But as an athlete, what are some of the things that are always uh, important for you when you're trying to make a college decision? Like uh, share a little bit more maybe about that relative to uh, those things that when you talk to a coach or go to visit a campus, what are some things that are really important to, to athletes when they come visit? Of course, it, um, the big thing for me, I was always told by my coaches, you know, worst case scenario, you get hurt. Is this a place where you're going to enjoy not playing, you know, your sport? And that was one of my big things. Am I going to be able to, like, have fun here? Am I going to be able to call this home? And like I said, it, it definitely was home. So that was definitely my first concern was, am I going to fit in here? Am I going to like it here if I can't play baseball? Um, and then the big thing for me uh, – Coach Heisman had connections with professional baseball. Um, There's a brand new baseball field when I got here uh, that was being built. And uh, the fitness center was just uh, uh, just essentially built. So it was, there's a lot of going, a lot going into it. Uh, had plenty of majors to choose from too. Uh, so I, I bounced around a little bit from, you know, sports management to sports journalism to finally business communication. So um, it was just a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity here to say the least. Yeah. And you graduated uh, from Trinity with that business communications major. Uh, what was it about that that maybe ended up being a landing major uh, for you when you were looking at Trinity? Uh, what, what was it about that major that you kind of saw your trajectory or where you wanted to go with that? Yeah, I, when I first thought about it, I was like, you know what, I, I want, I wanted to do communication because I wanted to be in, you know, my minor was in writing because I love writing. I wanted to write for somebody. But Thinking about it when I was in college, was like business communication is just a little more um, focused, you know. So I was just like, okay, I think this will this will help me out a bit, uh, a bit more than just a, a general communications degree, you know. So um, 
and all, there's always that joke about, you know, all the athletes, you know, their communications majors because it's easy. And let me tell you, the Trinity uh, Christian College communications major is nothing short of easy, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that statement. Um, I think every athlete's got their own version of, of what major an athlete's supposed to pick, right? Uh, and yeah. I won't list the majors for the sake of any alumni <laughs> who listen to this and maybe feel like we're dissing their major. But yeah, the, 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 this is uh, an academic institution first and foremost. And yeah. uh, no, no degree is just given here. It is definitely earned uh, in every 100%. facet of the way. So uh, when you think back about uh, getting here as a student or just reflect on your time here as a student, what are some of the memories that maybe kind of come back for you in terms of uh, those memories that uh, just first pop on your brain usually it's you know baseball team first you know uh, just the the stupid antics we would get get in together you know like just messing around together or like stupid crap talk that we do in the locker room to each other you know just stuff like that um big thing for me when i was yeah, junior and senior uh we did uh the baseball team did troll stock events and we did the skits in troll stock so those are always pretty fond memories of you know having fun reading that doing that and uh and then uh, midnight breakfast during finals. That was oh, yeah. definitely one of my, my favorites, just being able to stuff myself after uh, a long week of studying. It was just amazing. Was there any particular food that took up a majority of space on your plate that night? Donut. I'm a big donut guy. Okay. I'm taking as many donuts as possible. I think for me, it was always the hash browns. Uh, and if, if they happened to be in form of tater tots, it was lights out, mm, like we were done. Yes, 100%. I, I do remember that. I remember like, having a freak out like donuts, tater tots, grub legs. Like I was just freaking out that night. Yes, forget all of your troubles relative to finals or exams, <laughs> just for like a brief moment. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Thanksgiving morning. Yeah, oh, midnight breakfast. What a great, what a great tradition. We love that. I love uh, it. So you graduate from Trinity and uh, you got the opportunity to experience something uh, a lot of you know kids dream about, and that's to be able to play for a professional sports team. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience and maybe about uh, how that kind of played out. It, um, it was a wild ride and I loved every second of it. Um, out of college, out of, out of Trinity, the uh, Phillies and the Pirates had a lot of interest in me for the 2017 draft. Um, unfortunately, it you know it didn't pan out the way I wanted it. So I actually was signed by the uh, Windy City Thunderbolts in the Frontier League. So that is an independent baseball team, uh, not affiliated with any major league club that you can think of. Um, I played for them for the majority of the 2017 season. Um, Played well enough to be able to get picked up by the Diamondbacks. And I actually do remember um, the library. So I had to come back for another semester to finish my degree. And um, I was in the library on the top uh, top floor studying for finals when I got the call from the scout that signed me. And he goes, hey, uh, so the Diamondbacks have decided to buy your contract from the Windy City Thunderbolts. Welcome to the Diamondbacks. And I don't remember the rest of that conversation at all. I remember screaming at the top of my lungs, just going nuts. And the librarian got really mad at me. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's studying for finals. And I'm just like, let's go, you know, like getting crazy with it. So like, obviously she had no clue what she was doing or no clue what I was doing, I should say. So I packed up my stuff, ran to the gym, told Coach Heisman, told my parents, like it was... 
it was a uh, a night to remember, and um, you know that was one of the more fond memories at Trinity. Um, but I reported to spring training uh, that spring. Um, pulled my hamstring like three weeks into spring training. Uh, they kept me in. Uh, they have extended spring training for any minor leaguers who are not headed off to uh, a team. So I was in extended spring training for, you know, uh, about six weeks. I, you know, I had some fun uh, in Arizona in the 112 degree heat in the shades. That was a great time. Um, and then got sent off. I played at uh, the Vasilia Rawhide, which is a high A team in uh, the California League. Uh, they sent me to AAA, uh, the Reno Aces for a day and a half. Um, so that was a cool experience. And then uh, kind of bounced around to a few different uh, lower level teams for the rest of that season. And um, decided to, I kind of saw the, the writing on the wall, uh, saying that I was just kind of the role filler, uh, the spot filler for the Diamondbacks and decided to call it quits beginning of 2019. So two years ago on the 14th of January, I retired from professional sports. And then um, worked a crappy warehouse job that I hated for a few months to figure out my life. And now I'm back in professional sports, which I am extremely grateful for. Great. Yeah, to talk a little bit, let's maybe uh, spend some time talking about your your uh, cup of coffee, as they say, uh, you know, playing in the minor leagues. I guess cup of coffee is really reserved for the majors, but um, for the sake of this conversation, uh, you got a chance to, again, to experience that. Um, maybe share what was something that um, was the, the, the best part for you, uh, just the, the highlight of being able to uh, fulfill? Was there anything that was like, oh man, this is this was even better than I thought in terms of uh, getting to play? Was there any kind of moment where you got to, to maybe meet someone or, or talk to someone, uh, do something that you didn't think you'd ever be able to do? Yeah, it, it, I, looking back on it, if I were to ever meet young Zach, you know, 12-year-old Zach in middle school, like, oh, I'm going to play professional baseball. He would just be in awe. Like, and just be like, I did it, I did it, you know? So it like definitely, you know, a dream come true to say the least. And it was, it was amazing. One of my favorite memories I tell everyone um, was uh, a Tuesday night game. So uh, I played for the Hillsborough Hops in the Northwest League. So we're based out of uh, Hillsborough, Oregon, which is about 20 minutes outside of Portland. Um, and uh, the Northwest League expands from like Vancouver, Washington, um, all the way down to like the tip of California. Um, so um, we went up to Vancouver for a five game series um, and I played the Tuesday night game. So usually Tuesdays and like Wednesday, Mondays and Tuesdays are usually the games like where nobody's in the stands, but Canadians love their baseball. There was, a max, there's max capacity of 12, uh, 10,000 people. There was 12,500 that night. And it was like dollar beer night. So it was very rowdy. I'm trying to get ready in the bullpen and I've got like Canadians talking crap to me in my ear. It was just an event. So uh, I think it was like the second or third inning, there's a pot fly behind the, the, the plate. And I go back and it's right up against the net between me and the fans. And I have to lean on the net and make the catch without a touch in the net. I make the catch, and that ends the inning. And I have 12,000 drunk fans booing me. And, like, you can feel the bass yeah. in the stadium. Like, you can feel it in your stomach. 
And I was like, oh, man, this is cool. This is yeah. really cool. Yeah. And, of course, as luck would have it, I'm leading off that next half inning. So I take my catcher's gear off, grab my helmet, my gloves, and I'm standing on deck, and I'm still hearing all the boos. And I'm walking. I made a very slow walk up to the plate very deliberately, and I'm hearing more boos. I was like, oh, I love this so much, you know? Um, but other than that, um, I, you know, I got to meet some people. It was great. Uh, in extended spring training, I caught a former big leaguer. His name was Shelby Miller. Um, I caught him, and then that night they sent me up to Visalia. So that's one of the, the better nights, better days that I look back on my career and, and really like, wow, I, that was one of my, my dream days, you know, being, getting that call. And it was funny. My, my manager um, calls me up after, so like extended, uh, that day of spring uh, of training ended around three o'clock. We go back to the hotel room across the street and me and my friends were just like playing cards in the, the hotel room watching TV because there's literally nothing else to do. Um, and I get the call from my manager and I step out and um, his name was Sean Roof. And we all called him Roofy. I'm like, what's up, Roofy? What's going on? He goes, hey, I got to talk to you. And he's like very mad. I'm like, Oh, crap. Okay. What's going on? He goes, hey, heard you been talking crap about me about your playing time. What's going on with this? And I'm about to have an anxiety attack. I'm like, whoa, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't, like, I just played seven innings today, and I've been playing seven innings every day. I'm completely fine with that. He goes, no, I've been hearing you talking crap to other coaches about me, and I'm sick of it. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, and that's why you're going up to Visalia tonight. And I'm like, it took me a second. I was like, what? What?" And then it dawned on me. He goes, congrats, Jonesy. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, yeah. it was, so it, it just like those those little stories that some of them I have, like, aren't even pertaining to, you know, playing baseball. It's just watching movies on a bus or playing cards in a hotel room. Like, you know, it's just like the little stupid crap we'd get we'd get into in, in professional baseball. And it's it really is a, a kid's game. You know, it's it's there for giant children to play you know <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh yeah a lot of memories uh to be had yeah. um w when you maybe throughout your experience was there anything that maybe caught you off guard uh in terms of you know now the professional side uh the business side of professional baseball yeah, sometimes we'll hear people talk about you know hey it's a business right and so sometimes you can't just be a kid all the time you've got to be an adult in that process is there anything that kind of uh was was eye-opening to you and as you went through that yeah, I've I've always played the game as as a kid. I like to have fun. If I'm not having fun, I'm, I'm uptight. And I'm not going to play well. Um, so, like, I would just do stupid stuff on the field to have a laugh. And I remember um, we're, like, the bottom of the ninth. We're up a run, bases loaded. And, um, you know, it's like a 2-2 like a count, so it's like a leverage count. There's a stoppage in, in the game. And I look over at our first baseman, who's usually a goofball. He's got the serious look on his face. So I just like wave at him with a stupid smile. I'm like, hey. And like that, it after we won, he comes up to me and goes, if you ever do that to me again in that situation, I will make sure you're released. I was like, okay, that's serious now. I can't have any fun. Okay. You know, so it, it becomes um, you have to be a professional. You have to learn to be a professional. And it, you know, it's easy to be professional, but it's also, you know, it's it, it's a kid's game, like I said, and you got to have fun with it. 
And obviously there are those moments where you have to be a professional when, you know, your manager is getting in your face about something or you're having a disagreement on the mound with your pitcher. You got to be a professional, but you know, it's a kid's game. So got to have fun with it. And I, I myself tried to have the most fun as possible. I would often talk to the social media guys and, you know, just hang out in the front office before games and get to know them. So it's, like I said, it's a game. It might be a business, but there's a lot of relationships and friendships that, that come along the way that to this day, I still talk to a lot of those guys. So it's, it's a, um, it's a dream come true, like I've said, to, to be a part of all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so baseball players, I hear baseball players talk about uh, the grind of a season. Uh, maybe, can you elaborate on what, what, baseball players mean when they talk about the, the grind of a baseball season and, and what are some things that maybe you, uh, through just your time as an athlete playing baseball or specifically in that season, um, you know, with Arizona, like uh, what did you maybe learn that you could apply, you think, to life maybe in some ways? Yeah, and honestly, it, it is a grind, first of all. Like it, I hate that word because it, it, for me, mm -hmm. grind is, has a negative connotation. Like I yeah. hate this, but um my first taste of it actually came at Trinity. Mm. I play, uh, I think it was my junior season, sophomore, sophomore junior season. Uh, we played a 65 game spring season, went to nationals extra, um, you know, three games or so. So we played deep into, into May. Um, I had two weeks off before I played uh, my summer season. And then I played another 50 or so games. So, you know, 115 game season. And when they talk about the dog days of summer, you know, August is terrible. Um, it, they're right. Like mm. game 100, game 110, you don't want to be there. Like <laughs> you're tired, you're exhausted. It's August heat in Chicago. So it's crazy humid and you're just sweating in, in pants. Like it's not, it gets to a point where like, okay, I'd rather be poolside with Margarita at this point, you know? So, but like, and then you go into the professional side of things and you know, if you're in a, a full season team starting in early May going or early April, going all the way to August, September, you're playing 110, 115 games with, yeah. you know, one off day a month. And it's, it's insane. One of my favorite stories to tell is we're coming back from Vancouver, that, that same series. Uh, Vancouver, that, British Columbia, right? You're saying you could yeah. say Canadian. Okay, I think I heard yeah. you say Washington earlier, and that threw me off a little oh. bit. But yeah, <laughs> great. No, we're good. Yeah, no, Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, and we're coming back. It's, you know, a seven, eight-hour bus trip. We left at midnight, so we're not going to get back until 6, 7 o'clock in, in the morning in Oregon. And then we have a 5 o'clock game that night, so we get a few hours of sleep. You have to be at the field by one o'clock for early work and BP, and it becomes a, a a grind like that. You know, you have all this time on the bus, and you have you know you have to sleep on a bus and figure out how to compete with not the best sleep and not the best you know not the best feeling in your body. You know, so it's definitely a grind, and it's definitely not for the faint of heart. You really have to love the game, and that's definitely something that was tested throughout my time in professional baseball. So how did, what were the, I'm just curious if there's ways that maybe a coach or teammates kind of helped you navigate that because so much of that has to be a mental side of things. What are some, some ways that you or your teammates or coaches found to help get you in a spot when you show up and you don't want to go to work that day, but you yeah. know, you've, you've got to go to work and you got to give it your best because your team's relying on you. 
exactly. And it, it takes some figuring out to say the least, you know, uh, with the Windy City Thunderbolts, we had guys that would, um, they bought mattress pads, like the foam mattress pads, mm-hmm. and they put them on the floor of the bus in between the seats and sleep that way. And some guys would take melatonin and knock right out. You know, it's just figuring out how to sleep on a bus is like the hardest part. Um, but really, it's it's coming down to when, when we get to the field and you're, you're dragging, it's really all about your routine and what it gets your what gets your mind right, what gets your blood flowing. So, you know, it's establishing a routine, making sure that that routine is kept to. For me, I would, uh, I would love to read before games so I can focus on something other than mm-hmm. baseball. So I'd, I'd read a chapter or two or of whatever I was reading that day, uh, head back in the clubhouse, have something to eat, uh, take a shower, dress on the field, you know, 20, 30 minutes before game time for a stretch, throw, and first pitch, we're, we're ready to go, you know? So it's, Figuring out your routine and making sure your your mind is set for this game, no matter how how bad your body's feeling. Yeah, no, I, I love that, and I think it's so important for each individual person. It doesn't matter if you're working in professional baseball, if you're coming into uh, an office setting, uh, wherever you go to work. It is about, uh, like you said, getting your mind in the right spot and finding that that focus to and and being ready to go. And for each person that's different and that's unique. And some of that's just about learning yourself and identifying your strengths and how you can, can lean on those. Oh, hundred percent. It's definitely, you learn a lot about yourself when you're in those positions. And at that point I got, I, I got to that point like, wow, oh, I can achieve a lot when my mind's just on autopilot, you know? So it's, it's definitely uh, taxing to say the least. Sure. So tell me a little bit more about um, your your work uh, since uh, you know leaving um, the Diamondbacks. You shared a little bit that you you know had bounced around a little bit before getting back into professional baseball. But share a little bit about that work, uh, what you've been doing, and, and what you've been up to. Yeah, so I originally retired from the Diamondbacks, like I said, in 2019. Um, and to tell everyone, it's um, my first paycheck with the Diamondbacks. Uh, for two weeks of worth of work, it was 501.81. Um, I never memorized, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> and so that's every two weeks. And uh, usually 100 bucks of that has to go towards the clubby for dues. So, you know, you can get you food. Um, so during the offseason, my brother got me a job. He's um, upper management at a, local, one of the, uh, at a local warehouse. Got me a job just kind of moving boxes and paid well. So I was like, wow, this is what real money is like. I'm getting paid good money. So they hired me as the, uh, the receiving manager there. And I was like, okay, well, I'm making, you know, upwards of 50K here. And if I go back to spring training, I, I'm going to lose this job and I might, you know, not even make it out of spring training. They might, you know, cut me. So I decided to retire, um, kind of worked at the warehouse and then realized that it wasn't for me. I hated that. And uh, quit the job June of 2019. I worked at Missouri Valley College for about three months before I was actually hired by Driveline Baseball, which is uh, like a cutting edge, top of line baseball facility out in Seattle. Um, spent a few months out there, you know, learning about coaching, how to be a better coach, and just how to help players out who aren't yourself, because that's much different. You know, coaching yourself is much different than coaching other people. Uh, so I had to figure that out. And then um, the Phillies actually hired me to be a minor league hitting coach. 
and reported to spring training. It was great. I loved being a coach there. It was a little more relaxed. I didn't have as much anxiety. Um, and then, unfortunately, COVID hit three weeks into spring training. Uh, they sent us home, and then um, they really decided not to re-sign me, re-sign my contract uh, in October. So I am actually back working for Driveline. I am a uh, the remote lead hitting trainer. So I am a full-time hitting coach just over Zoom and over, you know, uh, over video. So I do that. And um, I'm currently looking for a professional job, either pro or a college job. So it's, um, it's been, like I said, it's been an adventure to say the least. And it's um, been fun. It's definitely been fun. So for someone who has spent, again, just thank you for that, because it just, again, all the points for you, your life has really been uh, submerged in, in, the, in that sport, right? And that's clearly yeah. built out of a passion, but there, there's at some point, uh, it's going to have to be some sacrifices that you're going to have to make in order to pursue that. And for you, I think, I think it's also just as I'm listening to you talk about decisions that anyone's got to make in terms of kind of following their dreams and how can I make those a reality versus what do I what am I able or willing to compromise? Uh, like yeah. you said, like in order for you to pursue some of those dreams, it was going to require um, for you to um, compensate, uh, sorry, be compensated less. Um, and yeah. is that something that you can 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 folks do that? And, and that's very much a reality for for all of us. I've talked to alumni who are. Uh, look to pursue maybe uh, a career in, in theater or want to get involved um, in, in music and, and art and, and, and all of these uh, areas uh, for, for a lot. Most most everyone doesn't just get signed the big contract right out of high school, right out of college, right? It, Gosh, is, no. it is, again, got to go back to that word, but it is a grind and it is yeah. a lot of hard work that goes into it. And so I'm, I, I'm appreciative of you kind of sharing that perspective because I think it is often easy for us to all uh, think that uh, we become more like the uh, the Heisman Trophy winners who get the big contracts right out and, and it just doesn't work that way. Yeah and you know that's that's the stigma baseball players and most you know uh, athletes have is you know they've got it good but really you know I'm like I said I'm making 500 bucks every two weeks trying to you know pay bills that way trying to um, eat correctly. Uh, you know, I remember one point when I was with Hillsborough they had a nutritionist come in and tell us like, okay, if you're going out to eat, you know, try to stay healthy, go to Chipotle, go to Panda Express and get like, you know, healthy stuff. And they explained what that meant. And I'm like, okay, lady, that's not open at 11 o'clock at night after a game, yeah. Taco Bell or McDonald's is, and I'm going to just crush a Crunchwrap Supreme right now. Like, you know, cause that's all I can afford to, you know? Yeah. So it's not, it's not, you know, just, diamond rings and million dollar contracts. It's, you know, suffering through the crap, you know, and having to deal with a crappy bus ride to, you know, eight hours away. So it's definitely not all sunshines and ra sunshine and rainbows in the minor leagues. Yeah. At the same time, right? Like we, we all want to be encouraging of younger folks who aspire to, to follow those dreams. And so I'm curious, what would, what would maybe your advice be to, you know, when you're doing these, um, you know, sessions with uh, high school or uh, junior high um, or younger players, helping them develop their, their skills and their talents that they've been given, what is your advice to them on, you know, hey, they someday want to be like you. They want to have that chance to fulfill a dream and say, I was a professional baseball player. It, I usually tell, ask them like, do you want to 
play 125 games a season. Are you ready? Like right now, if you got the call, are you ready for that? And if they're truly ready for that, then we have that talk where, okay, let's put in, like, there's a lot of work that needs to go into it. It's not just, um, not just, you know, let's go play. It's a lot of younger players don't have a routine. So we have to talk about creating a a good routine that's both like pre at bat, pre game, you know, just kind of developing something that's right for them. Um, And then talking about what, what to expect. No one told me what to expect heading into my first spring training. So, you know, I, I want to teach as many kids as possible who are headed that way, like what to expect in their first day of spring training, which is, you know, uh, a couple of assessments and you get to meet all your coaches and then you get to have a doctor prod you and poke you and make sure that you're able to perform, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's also a job. It's not just playing baseball. It's a job. And like like we talked about it's time to be professional so uh, you know it's being realistic with them but also building that up them up so they can they can work as hard as they possibly can for something that they desperately want you know and it's um it's exciting it's it's I, I i can't put it any any other way when i see kids that have that that drive to do it it's exciting i want to help them because i know They've been dreaming of that since they're eight, since watching Sammy Sosa hit a home run. So yeah. it's 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 exciting to see that drive in kids and know, okay, you've got a chance. If you have a chance, run with it. Don't for me, I had that chance and I, I took a bet out on myself. You know, like I wanted to go full bore at something. And if that is any advice you take from this podcast, trying to be a professional baseball player, mm-hmm. just get after it and really um don't let yourself have regrets after the end, after the end of your career. That's definitely my, would be my advice to them. Yes. Um, so I, I'm a parent, I've got, um, you know, boys who uh, enjoy some sports, uh, enjoy baseball. I know there are other parents listening to this who uh, maybe they were athletes at Trinity. Uh, maybe they uh, have kids now who are, um, uh, involved in, in athletics specifically. I, I'm curious for like youth sports, what your perspective might be in terms of um, h- how might you advise a parent to have their uh, child involved or how involved, uh, whatever maybe you've seen in your work with uh, just observing youth sports in terms of, you know, here's something you might want to think about, about an age when you might want to start getting more serious if you see potential versus um, having a balance, right, of, of other aspects of life uh, at a certain point. Of course. Um, so from my my personal philosophy i when i was younger from 6 to 12 i played as much as possible you know it was either playing in the local little league or my brother take me over to the local parking lot and we're throwing uh, tennis balls at each other you know against a, a brick wall to playing wiffle ball in the in the front yard you know so it's about playing as much as possible at that point their children's their their kids let them play let them have as much fun and enjoy the game that's it's a big thing. A lot of kids get to that age where, you know, they're 10 and they're, they're already playing 40, 50 game seasons and they hate it because it's not fun at that. You know, you just want to go hang out with your friends and play football or kick a soccer ball around, let them have fun. But if they get to 12 and 13, you know, seventh, eighth grade and they're, they're good and they're serious about wanting to play, then have them join a, a travel, travel team, you know, have them play high school baseball and, play 
um, I would suggest to any, anyone listening to this, um, swing the bat as hard as you possibly can. That's the best way to hit the ball as hard as you can. And hitting the ball hard is really fun. And, you know, for me, I want to grow the game as much as possible. Um, I'm hoping, you know, the, uh, the age of 60 or 70, if I'm uh, well, well off enough, I, I, my dream is to open up a, uh, you know, a baseball facility in the inner city of Chicago so I can grow the game there and make sure that everyone has the same opportunity. But have as much fun. And that's the, the easiest way to grow the game is have fun. So make sure that we're having as much fun, hitting the ball super hard, letting the kids play and letting them do what they do best and roll around the dirt for an hour and a half and take them on home, you know? Yeah. Yep. Cool. That's, that's great. I love it. Cause uh, as you know, as, as a parent, we're also sometimes ended up um, you're coaching your kid. Right. And it can be easy to sometimes uh, get in just this coach mode and not realizing like, Hey, yeah, kids go play in the dirt. And uh, yeah. too often I get caught up. I know. And uh, stop playing in the dirt, like focus, you know, we're trying to, you know, trying to play a game and learn it. And you got to have some grace and some, some time to allow them to mature into that. And, and like you said, just, just be kids and enjoy the game. Uh, go watch the Sandlot and enjoy it. So. Oh God. Yeah. When I was, when I was 10, I'd watch the Sandlot three, three, three times a day. It was just, you know, the best. Yeah. So um, th thinking about your, your academic time at Trinity, was there anything in particular that you really feel like you took most from your, your academics that has been uh, just kind of guided you uh, in your time since leaving this place? And that could be baseball related or, or, or not, but. Honestly, preparing me for interviews was the biggest mm -hmm. thing. I, when, I, when you sent me the questions and I, I looked over, like, and I saw that question, like the first thing that came into my mind was, preparing me for interviews and understanding mm -hmm. professional life, you know? So a uh, senior seminar, um, bringing in other, other staff to interview us, like that was serious for me. Cause I was like, okay, if baseball doesn't work out, I need to have some real world skills or else I'm going to be behind eight ball. And I think, you know, having that time in senior sem where there's a week of just mock interviews, that was huge. Like poking holes in my in my questions, or in my answers, poking holes in my uh, in my resume. Like that was perfect, so I could learn and understand how to be an adult. You know, so that was big for me. Yeah, and and so if you if if you could get uh, a prospective student, someone who's in high school and figuring out where they want to go to college, and uh, you know, obviously they've got personal things that will come into the factor, but what, what would you say to them about why Trinity would just be a good fit? You won't get lost here. Hmm. Uh, I went to a high school uh, that was like 3,000 kids, and I felt like I had my core group of friends, but I felt kind of lost. Like there's a lot of people, and I toured some big schools, and I just felt like I wasn't going to get the personal help in order to be successful in the real world. Um, coming into Trinity was probably one of the better decisions. Um, there was what, 1,800 people undergrad, um, I think. I, I'd say more like 1,000. I think at the time you were um, here, we were probably closer to about uh, 1,200 total with uh, okay. the graduate and the undergrad, uh, adult undergraduate, yeah. Gotcha, yeah, and that it was small. It was it was a big small school, or a small big school, I should uh, like to say. Um, and you, you won't get lost. There's plenty to do, and there's plenty of professors that care about you as the biggest thing for me i couldn't believe like how invested some of the the professors were and not only just like academic but also 
see professors out at like baseball games and like basketball games. That was the coolest part, you know, just seeing the the family that Trinity is. You definitely won't get lost here and you're going to be able to grow into a good person. Yeah, I, I love that. And it is, it is so cool to, you know, sometimes you get done with a, um, a class and, and you're talking to a professor about something and then, yeah, to see them later that afternoon at, at your game, uh, yeah. specifically because they would enjoy watching you play and then they know they have you in a class. That, that's pretty cool. Even though they might not know, they may not know much about baseball or care much about it for that matter, but they, they care about you as a person and, that, and that's important. Exactly. I remember seeing uh, Dr. Matson at a baseball game and you're like, Dr. Matson, let's go. You know, just being like super hyped because he's still one of my favorite professors in the communication department. So it's just it's amazing to see that type of community Trinity creates. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So th those were all some serious questions. I got some less serious questions as we kind of wrap things up here. All right. Um, so you've worked in professional baseball. Um, can you, are you still, or can you still be a fan of a, of a baseball team? Are you a fan of a specific team? Yes and no. Uh, yes, you can still be a fan. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, but you can't have, you know, an allegiance to them, you know. Um, so I first got down to spring training. One of our pitchers was wearing a diamond, uh, a, we're at Diamondback spring training, obviously. He was wearing a Boston Red Sox hat and they fined him like 50 bucks. So like it can happen, but you can still be a fan of somebody and still care about that organization. All right. Uh, and I, I think, Folks probably figured this out by now, but you you were a catcher by position, um, and I've often heard you know catchers make uh, the best coaches. Um, do you do you agree with that statement? And uh, if, if either either way, why do you think that that gets said? Yes, I'm the best coach in the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I do agree because uh, they're they're essentially a quarterback. They're they're the the captain essentially, and they're they're running things. They're making sure that. Everyone's in position. The pitcher is on the same page. They're handling a lot of things at the same time while also trying to communicate with the the head coach. You know, giving signs. So definitely think that, and that helps kind of get them into the right mindset coaching wise and make sure that you know they have good game management and be able to turn a team into a winning team. You know. Yeah, their knees are crap, but they're good oh, coaches. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Knees and hips, terrible. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, baseball players are known for being superstitious. Uh, do you have any superstitions that you would um, either pregame or during the game, things that you would or would not do? Yeah. I mean, I was never superstitious. Uh, I was only a little stitious. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, oh, there. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> that was cheesy. Way to go. Um, no, it's uh, it mostly just routines. Um, just like we talked about getting myself a, a routine and making sure I was ready for that game. Uh, I wouldn't say it was superstitious. I like to read beforehand. Um, but I was a little superstitious when getting uh, my new baseball bats. So I I swung Homewood bat, which is down in Homewood, Illinois. Yeah. Um, and I'd usually get uh, birch. So birch, uh, if you don't know, if you swing it more, the wood compresses more. So it gets stronger as you use it. Hmm. Um, so a lot of times with birch, you have to like either take like some type of metal or bone in order to rub it. Um, so there's one time in spring training, no one had any of those things in the clubhouse. So some guy caught me, I was rubbing the bat on the side of like a, a ceramic urinal on the side of it. Like, and he goes, Jonesy, what are you doing? I'm like, I have to do this. Sorry. You know? So it was, like I said, just stories like that, 
just stand out in my head about my my time. So yeah. that was fun. Yeah, that feels like it's something straight out of a baseball movie. You walk into some guy <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> putting a bat on a urinal just to break it in. So there you oh, go. Yeah. Um, all right, last question. Uh, snacks during a game, uh, you know, gum, sunflower seeds. Do you have a favorite, favorite flavor or type of gum or something like that? Um, it kind of depended on the day for me. Uh, sometimes I, if they had, you know, uh, barbecue uh, David's seeds, I'd be all over them. Um, but most of the time we actually, we had the big buckets of uh, double bubble. So that was usually my go-to um, at one point. Remember, uh, a bunch of guys were trying to see how many they could fit in their mouths. I think think somebody won at like 29, and he said his jaw was hurting for the next like three days. So, <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely lean towards uh, the gum. Just a bunch of big kids. That's all it is, right? Just a bunch of big kids. Daycare. <laughs> Great. Well, hey Zach, this has been wonderful. I appreciate your time uh, chatting today. Appreciate uh, the way you represent Trinity and the work that you do, and. And uh, again, I'm wishing you nothing but the best as you continue to uh, continue a, a career in professional baseball, man. I, I appreciate it. And I, I had fun. And thank you for having me on. It was a blast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Troll Talks, a part of the Troll Nation Network. If you or someone you know wants to make a difference in the lives of current, former, or prospective students at Trinity Christian College, be sure to visit our website at trnty.com dot edu slash tnn that's trnty dot edu slash tnn have an idea for a future troll talks episode that would benefit the trinity community send us an email at alumni at trnty dot edu that's alumni at trnty dot edu